Information shared on the following program is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute legal, tax, investment, or other advice, nor is it intended to recommend any particular investments, products, or financial instruments. Always seek advice from your financial advisor, attorney, or accountant with regard to investment, legal, or tax questions. Welcome to the only show in the country dedicated to helping savers worry less about money, the Worry-Free Retirement, with your host, nationally recognized retirement specialist and four-time author, Tony Walker. Welcome, folks, to the Worry-Free Retirement. And yes, I am that little man in the sweater vest, Thanksgiving specialist and fiduciary, Tony Walker. And I guess the only thing I've got to say, uh, for those of you at uh, WKCT in Bowling Green and WBRT in Bardstown, it should be Thanksgiving Day when this is broadcast, is Happy Thanksgiving. And, of course, to you folks in Lexington on WLAP Radio, should be Sunday morning. So, well, let's just say Happy Thanksgiving Weekend. So anyway, here we are. That's right, folks, that time of year when we all get together, put our differences aside with those who probably annoy the heck out of us anyway, and eat as much food as one might stand. And if you're listening to this show on one of our radio shows, let me remind you, uh, we have, uh, by the way, in the studio with us, as always, America's favorite financial sidekick, Aaron Orander. Aaron, I about kind of forgot you about it, Joe, over there, buddy. How you doing this morning? Hey, good morning to you, sir, and happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. And yeah, Aaron, I was getting ready to introduce the SoundCloud, but why don't you tell folks in case, because this this episode, folks, by the way, if you get a chance to listen to this and stay with us, you're going to be very, very blessed. And after you listen to this, I've got a feeling you're going to want to share this interview I'm going to conduct here. Uh, it's a pre-recorded, but it's a wonderful interview entitled Having an Attitude of Gratitude. So Aaron, how can people go back and listen to this show again? All they got to do, folks, all you got to do is just go to soundcloud.com. That's soundcloud.com. And right up there in the search bar, just type in the worry-free retirement. Click search and bam, there you go. You're going to see our awesome bobblehead. Just click on that and you're going to find all of our past radio shows. All right. Thank you, Aaron. So, Aaron, uh, you don't have to get into too many details of the Aaron Orender household during Thanksgiving, but what would you say are your three main staples of food that you all always have? Is there three things that you just, if somebody left them out, it would be all heck would break loose at the Orender household? Well, probably, obviously, turkey, although I usually go for the ham instead of the turkey. That's usually what I do. Uh, We always have mashed potatoes and Believe it or not, uh, with my three kids, all three of my kids are huge broccoli fans. You wouldn't, that is you, yeah, it's so oh, weird. Gosh. I mean, I like broccoli, but I mean, they they will devour bowlfuls of it. So, broccoli is kind of a staple now at the Orner household. That that's interesting for Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm like, I like broccoli. I like broccoli casserole, especially. But uh, for Thanksgiving, uh, I would say turkey. Although. I don't know, turkey, when you think about it, it's kind of overrated. Very few people know how to cook turkey moist. It just seems always dry. In fact, speaking of dry, Aaron, I thought uh, we've got Derek mic'd up over there. Um, Derek, you know, Derek Hudson uh, does our graphics. What I thought I would do is have Derek, who has a very dry sense of humor, just for a few seconds, Derek, because some people may not really know the history of this holiday we call Thanksgiving. Give us a shot, buddy, of how this thing started and why are we all eating dry turkey at this stage of the game? 
Thanksgiving is actually a very old concept well beyond the pilgrims that generally involves having a feast and giving thanks for blessings and a good harvest. While it wasn't the first in America, the most prominent Thanksgiving that us Americans think of was in Plymouth in 1621. In 1789, President George Washington declared the first national day of Thanksgiving, and in 1863, Abraham Lincoln established it as an annual tradition. Okay, typical Derek Hudson fashion. I don't know what was more drier, Aaron, uh, his description of Thanksgiving or that turkey I ate this weekend. So let's kind of get back to this. So here we are. Um, we're, re we're actually recording this show, folks, on October 13th, 2021, okay? Now, last year, about this same time, we had the good fortune of a Mr. Bob Russell. Now, if you're in the Louisville area, you know who Pastor Bob Russell is of Bob Russell Ministries now. He's a retired pastor from a very large church here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, but we had him on the set to interview this theme, an attitude of gratitude. And Aaron, quite frankly, I'll have to admit, in 2020, going back in time, when we did that interview, I would just have assumed we were through the pandemic, we had flattened the curve, and we were good to go. Wouldn't you have thought back then, that by now anyway, as we record this show in 2021, this would be past us? Probably, yeah. I had a feeling it'd probably be past us. Well, not only that, before we get into this uh, replay of the interview with Mr. Russell, which again, folks, you want to listen to this, you're going to be so encouraged by his sound words of wisdom of how we can continue to maintain an attitude of gratitude. But this is pretty wild, Aaron. This study came out from NHIS Early Release Program and the U.S. Census Bureau Household Pulse Survey. Prior to the pandemic in 2019, the average share of adults reporting symptoms of anxiety disorder and depressive disorder between January and June of 2019 was around 11%. Okay, you with me? Okay. All right. Take a shot. What do you think January of 2021, the same survey of folks, what percentage of people, according to the survey, were suffering from some sort of anxiety disorder or depressive disorder? First of all, would you say it'd be higher or lower than 11%? Oh, I definitely think it's higher. I don't know how much, but I'd definitely say it's higher. Okay, hold on to your turkey breast here because it's 41%. Yep. Now, here's what's also alarming about this, Aaron. Uh, this is very interesting. We've got a new hire here in Worry Free Productions. Uh, Miss Mary Beth Combs is doing it. It's Combs, isn't it, Mary Beth? Yeah, doing a great job. You know I am with names. I'll call you Heather before it's all over with Mary Beth. She's sitting in here watching this. You, are you going to still stick around after watching me do a radio show? You may decide to head back to your previous job. But anyway, listen to this. People Mary Beth's age, 18 to 24, 56% are suffering disorders of anxiety or depression. Adults my age and older, about 39%. So that was a little surprising. So folks, what is the solution? What is the answer to all of this fallout from shutting down an economy and people being out of work? Well, the answer is going to be found in these wise words from Pastor Bob Russell. So what we're going to do, Aaron's going to roll tape. We're going to play this interview we did last year. I hope you enjoy it. And here we go. So basically, this show is being broadcast, pre-recorded, of course, but broadcast during the weekend of Thanksgiving. And uh, the attitude of gratitude is permeating from our show today. But we thought you could come in a little bit about your background and where you are at this place in your life. Tell us a little bit about yourself and sure. uh, uh, your background and how you got started in ministry. I grew up in northwestern Pennsylvania, kind of in the country, and uh, went into ministry, decided for ministry my senior year of high school, went to Bible college. I thought I would be preaching in a little country church somewhere. <laughs> 
And uh, this church in Louisville was just starting and looking for a young man to come be a part of their church. And I came in 1966 at 22 years of age. Wow. How I many said, people were at this church They had at about the 120 at the okay. time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I stayed for 40 years. They could not get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was really happy in Louisville and the church grew and it became a, a, a tremendous experience. And I married and uh, had two boys. One boy is a preacher in Florida. One boy is a policeman here in town. I have seven grandchildren. I retired from Southeast Christian Church in 2006. And since that time, I've had what I've called uh, very creatively Bob Russell Ministries. And my focus is primarily to try to encourage younger preachers. Hmm. Because of the growth that happened at Southeast Christian and because of my age and experience, sometimes younger guys will listen to me. And uh, so I try to encourage and, and boost up younger preachers. I conduct uh, retreats. I limit them to eight guys because I want them to be interactive. And I've done 104 retreats Gosh. over the last 14 years. And they never got old for me. Hmm. And it's kind of my sweet spot, and I've really, really enjoyed that. So you've definitely got, I guess, that spirit of encouraging others. It shows, I can tell just briefly talking to you, as we get into Thanksgiving weekend, um, speaking of encouragement, you're always concerned. I know a lot of people are very thankful now. We've been through, uh, as we filmed this in 2020, COVID and all that. But maybe speak to those out here who are maybe struggling a little bit with life and they're having trouble being thankful or having this attitude of gratitude. And what, you, what might you share with them? Well, everybody goes through ups and downs. And uh, I think one of the challenges of Scripture is to give thanks in all circumstances, the Bible says. And when we're discouraged, uh, I, I think it's helpful to, number one, analyze why we're there. When I get down, I say, what's, what's really making me down? And the last time I got discouraged, I, I narrowed it down to three things. One, I had a granddaughter who was struggling with health problems. I was really so worried about So loved ones, her. when they're struggling, it's yeah. hard sometimes. Number two, I was really concerned about our country and the way it's falling apart. And number three, University of Louisville football was doing poorly. <laughs> Let's get our priorities right here, right? And it, it, it convicted me. I said, one of the reasons I'm down is kind of silly. And then the other two, I can't control. I can pray about them. I'm going to have to release them to the Lord and believe what I say I believe. And that is, I'm going to take my burden to the Lord and leave it there. That's easier said than done. But I, I, I think if we analyze why we're discouraged, then if we can associate with somebody who went through the same thing. Hmm. And they got to the other side of it. It's really an encouragement to say, you know what, I, if they got through it, I can get through it too. You know, for years I used to teach an adult men's Bible study class, and they're all older than me. And I used to tell them, I said, you all need to be out talking more to young people because they had such wisdom in the things they've been through. And then you shared, that's a little bit, seems to be your ministry too. I know you'd mentioned the younger people. Speak to what's going on in the lives as you see it through young people, whether they're in the ministry or not. Maybe challenges they have that we did not have at that same age, maybe. Mm -hmm. I was on a podcast just about two weeks ago from Lifeway in Nashville, and the host said, Bob, preachers are going through some tough times right now. Uh, you've been through a lot of ups and downs in your ministry. Uh, have a word of encouragement for young preachers. And I said, you know what? I did have a lot of ups and downs in ministry, but I don't know if I've been through anything like these guys are going through today. Closing the church down, mm -hmm 
having to go online services when they're not experienced to do that, all the political rancor that's going on, and people come to church on edge and wanting the preacher to take a stand one way or another. What they're going through today is tougher than anything I went through. And if you ask me to talk to young people, I would have to say, hey, this is a tough age right now. Uh, I've never seen our country so divided, so uncertain, and we're going through this uh, pandemic, and there's so much negativity in, in media, and so many conflicting uh, challenges and ideologies trying to grab the minds of uh, young people. I, I've got to say, I can sympathize with <laughs> you, and, and I hope that that helps. But most importantly, make sure you know what your focus in life is. Because there is one rock, there is one foundation that can keep you steady, and that is Jesus Christ and hope in God. That's why the Bible says, set your affections on the things that are above and not on things of earth. And if you're well grounded in what you believe and why you believe it, then you can go through anything. Yeah, amen to that. Speak to that a little bit in your thoughts on Scripture and what God would have to say about us followers of Christ. And regardless of who's in office or what might bode for this country over the next couple of years, how can we find things that we still can be so, so very thankful for? There are a couple of scriptures that come to mind as you ask that question. The one is in Philippians 4 where it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we're, we're told in scripture, as, as Christian people, we shouldn't be wringing our hands. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't be biting our fingernails over things we can't control. We've got to say, okay, I believe in the providence of God. I believe it in the end his ultimate will is going to be accomplished regardless of who's president or whether the Democrats take over the Senate or whatever happens. Don't be anxious about those things. Really believe what you say you believe. The second scripture that comes to mind is in 1 Peter 2 where it talks about you submit to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which God has appointed. It's repeated in Romans 13. Uh, Christians ought to be the very best citizens we can be. And boy, that's hard though, isn't it? It really I admit is hard. It. It's hard. And as long as we're not asked to do something that is contrary to Scripture, we shouldn't be out in the resistance movement or pillaging and looting and making life miserable for the authorities, whether it's the governor or the president or the police. Christians ought to be the most cooperative and, and the, the biggest boosters of, of those in authority. So I, I think that's a, an opportunity for us to be a positive witness if we go according to Scripture rather than according to our feelings. Why do I sometimes, you think, get off kilter so easy and lose this attitude of gratitude? Because it does happen to me. And I, I guess it's befuddling because, yeah. like I said, we've got so much to be thankful we, for. We all do. But I think in the United States of America, where we are so blessed, there are a number of things that get us off kilter. Let me mention two. Okay. One is our incredible affluence. You would think the more we had, <laughs> the more grateful we would be. That's a really good point. We should be. But what happens is the more we have, the higher our level of expectation. And it becomes more and more difficult for us to be content. You know, if you vacationed in Hawaii, it's hard to be happy when you go to Barron River State Park. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, let's get close to <laughs> home. Close. No, that's but, a good analogy, but, though, but I agree. When, if you've eaten at Ruth's Chris, hard to be at McDonald's. <laughs> and, and, but we've had it so good hmm. that, that we had the bar so high, we are ungrateful. And uh, the other thing is unfair comparisons. 
if you were living out in the country or you were in uh, the, the wagon trains and establishing a frontier uh, home on the, on the west, you don't have very many people to compare to. You're contented. That's right. But today we have all this exposure to people who have it better than we have it. And if we're not careful, envy sets in and envy destroys gratitude mm. because you're looking at somebody who has it better. There's always somebody whose child is better athlete, whose child is better more intellectual, smarter. Always somebody whose husband's more romantic or whose wife's prettier or job is more lucrative and, and you can make yourself discontent. I wrote a book a while back about our church because God had blessed our church and it was called When God Builds a Church and it did pretty well and I, I was very satisfied. What and was the theme of that The book? theme was how what makes the church grow? Mm -hmm. And I was happy with the book but the problem was another guy wrote a book by the name of Rick Warren about the purpose-driven church. Oh, that's, that was and a pretty I, big selling I on, book. I was it? on vacation in Gatlinburg and I saw a headline in USA Today, Rick Warren's uh, purpose-driven church sells three million copies. And I was like, <laughs> three million copies? If he gets a dollar a book, that's three million dollars. Man, uh, Lord, I'd settle for a, a million and a half. And all of a sudden, I'm discontented. Yeah because of unfair comparisons. Hmm. And I think the exposure we have to so many other people and the, the media tells us we're all victims because we don't have as good, envy sets in and we're not very grateful. I think it was maybe even Spurgeon said that envy is the ax that the devil uses, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it really does cut through you. I always kind of wonder sometimes, you know, I majored in psychology, majored in broadcast journalism, ended up being a financial advisor, but thankfully, and I really am thankful, I've been able to use some of my background mm -hmm. in broadcasting to do these type of shows. But have you ever thought about what you might have done had you not gone full-time in the ministry? So give us briefly how you got started, but also I'd like to answer that question. Is there anything I grew up about? playing sports. What, what was your favorite sport? Uh, probably basketball. When my high school was so small that if you stood up, you went from basketball to football to baseball. I mean, yeah, yeah, you were going to play all, all yeah, the sports. I played them all. Yeah. And, but I loved basketball. And I, uh, I thought I would be a basketball coach. Looking back on it, I realized I don't have the temperament for that. But uh, that's what I wanted to do when I was in high school, and I think that's probably what I would have done. Uh, a friend of mine said, Russell, really, you're an idiot servant. <laughs> <laughs> you can do one thing, and you manage to listen to the Lord and you preach, and it's a good thing. Stay with that. Huh? Don't you think, uh, and I'm like you too, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but for whatever reason, I've gotten very focused in the type of work we do and who we work with. Speak to the term focus, and maybe that's it. Maybe we're just too scattered, you think, and that gets in the way of our thanksgiving? I, I do these mentoring groups for younger preachers, and I tell them, bloom where you're planted. Don't be always looking over your shoulder, what if, or could I try this? Once God plants you in a church, be the shepherd of that flock. And stay focused. I believe in long ministries. Now, not everybody's supposed to stay 40 years like I did. But I think if God wants you to be someplace else, he'll make it so clear you don't have to go searching for it. And if, if there's one thing that helped me, it was getting in one place and staying a long time. I could do things after 20 years I couldn't do after 15. And I became more of the pastor to the community than just the local church. But it takes a while for the people in the community to trust you. So I, I think for the most part, if you stay focused and you know what your giftedness is and you have a passion for that, God can bless you. Mm, that's wonderful. One more thing, I guess that just came to my mind, and then a lot of our viewers are, we know the demographics obviously, back to focus. We have a lot of 55 year old plus folks. And I do sense that a lot of my clients that age come in 
they're getting a little nervous and a little worried about that next generation coming up, Bob, whether it's financial, there seems to be a lot of chemical dependent, uh, they're just you know, broken families, I've got more and more people having to take care of their grandchildren. How could you speak to that age group that may be going through and just the concern they have for children and grandchildren nowadays? Well, I, I was never close to my grandparents. On the one side they had died and on the other side they lived a distance away. And I've got seven grandkids. And I have discovered that I can be of influence in those grandkids' lives. That means I've got to show up. I've got to be willing to ride in the car. I don't try to put a lot of uh, information on them. But if you spend some time with your grandkids, slowly they, uh, they start asking you some questions. But something else, Tony, if I were to ask you, tell me the teacher or the mentor who meant the most to you, and then I ask you, tell me what they said. I bet you couldn't remember three sentences. No, I don't think I could. It's not what we say, it's who we are. Mm -hmm. That's why I say, in the presence of young people and grandchildren especially, let them see that you are a person of faith and you're not a griper, you're not a complainer, you're content with, let them see joy in your life. Let them see gratitude in your life. Let them, let them hear you praise them. They, they got enough critics today. Oh yeah, they need, social media, well that's oh, a, ooh. I went to my grandson's JV football game last night and I waited until he got dressed and came back out and we went and got a milkshake together. What do you think I'm gonna to talk to him about? I'm gonna to talk to him about what he did right. Hmm in that game. And he's no, he's no star, but he had three or four plays where he did really, really good. He pointed those, and, out, and pointed those out and his face just lit up. <laughs> and I feel really close to my, but, but it's this, your, your theme is attitude of gratitude. And it comes down, the, the, the older person has to intentionally say, I am gonna be joyful today. This is the day the Lord has made, I'm gonna be joyful and be glad in it. And then the last thing, and this, this is probably a little heavy here, but we have a lot of our, uh, viewers. We have thousands and thousands of viewers on the Word for Retirement. And I know a lot of them, we call them in the second half, Bob. Maybe they're getting to a point in life, kids are grown, maybe they've lost a spouse. This is a tough time for them, the holidays. What could you share with them that God might be reminding them then as they get in these later years of life? Well, if you're in the second half, you'd be grateful because I'm in the final two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you're almost at overtime, I've hopefully. Had, I've had the two-minute warning. <laughs> Let me tell you, I am more joyful today than I've ever been in my life. Why is that? I've always been a joyful person. But if we really believe that the best is yet to be, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms, I go to prepare one for you. I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, my, my body has some aches and pains, and I, I, I've got some But you're troubles. hitting the golf ball farther, you yeah, said. That's, but, that's impressive. But it's not straight. <laughs> <laughs> but I, when I get down, I ask, do you, when my dad died, a guy who was kind of a mentor to me looked at me and he said, well, now it's time for you to believe what you say you believe. Hmm. And that sounds harsh, but that was the most comforting thing to me. Because, you know, all my life I've said, I believe Christ died for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose bodily from the grave. I believe his promise that because I live, you shall live also. Now I'm going to act like I believe what I say I believe. And the older we get, the more joyful we ought to be because we're closer to home. Mm -hmm. If we really believe that that's true. And you know something else? 
if you are joyful and thankful as an older person, it's contagious. People uh, want to be around somebody who's joyful. You never say, uh, let's go over to Bill's house. I just love to hear him great, don't you? <laughs> no, you want to be around somebody right. who's upbeat and positive. And your opportunity to be a witness and an encourager as an older person is enhanced so much if you have a joyful spirit. You wouldn't believe the number of people who ask me to go play golf with them. Hmm. I'm 77. Fun to be around, right? Be, because be I, make them, I make them look good. Yeah. <laughs> but they know they're going to laugh, and I'm going to have fun. And even if I play poorly, I can laugh and, and not make life miserable for everybody else. Well, that's, those are great words to end on and great encouraging words. And uh, I hope everybody out there has a wonderful Thanksgiving. But regardless of what you're going through, I think, like you said, the power of Christ uh, covers all, all sins and also covers all sorrows. So we thank you so much for the encouraging words today, Bob. Well, we have so much to be thankful for. And uh, the Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. G.K. Chesterton in the late 1800s English writer said, gratitude is the mother of all virtues. Tony, I know you recently wrote a best-selling book that's called Live Well, Die Broke. I have to admit, that is not exactly something I would expect to hear from someone who's giving retirement advice. Well, that catches people off guard because, yeah, like, I mean, don't I want to have all kinds of money? The whole purpose of the book was to remind people that you have to spend this money before it's too late. What I've seen over the years is people don't do that, and whether they want to admit it or not, everyone dies broke. What I mean by that is, Diane, you can't take it with you. So it's interesting that people work so hard to save all this money, but nobody's encouraging them to spend it. Now here's the reason I believe the financial world doesn't want you to spend that money. If you start taking money away that you've saved with the financial world, that's less money for them. That's less commissions, that's less fees, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody makes money on your money if you don't spend it. The moment you start spending and enjoying that money is when you would get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So if you think about it that way, you've worked hard to spend it, and at some point there'll be a point in time where you can't. A lot of people we have are, are getting older, they don't spend any money. I mean, we have people spending a couple thousand a month, and they come in in their 80s and go, Tony, what am I supposed to do with all this money? Well, they couldn't even spend it even if they wanted to. They're not doing traveling and doing a lot of things they did when they're younger. So I think the philosophy is right on. I think it makes complete sense. And when our clients see how that we can make sure they use and enjoy and protect that money, and then show them how they can still use it without running out of money, it's a game changer, and it liberates them to feel like they can enjoy what they've worked so hard to save. That makes sense, and you're dealing with savers, so that mentality, maybe you're having to mold it a little bit for them. You're right, a saver, that goes against the grain. They've saved money, they're not good spenders, but we'll make sure they enjoy that money, and again, we'll make sure they spend it without running out of it. For additional information and scheduling your free, no-obligation appointment, go to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. We trust you have enjoyed this interview entitled Maintaining an Attitude of Gratitude with Mr. Bob Russell of Bob Russell Ministries. I wanted to summarize four very important points Mr. Russell made to help us in getting the most out of our lives and staying focused on the task at hand. First, Know thyself. In other words, be yourself and know who you are. Don't try to be something you're not. Just be yourself and thankful for the gifts and personality that God has given to you. Second, in light of knowing thyself, stop comparing yourselves to others. 
What difference does it make that your neighbor down the street appears to have more than you do? It doesn't. So stop comparing yourselves to others and thinking what they have is what you need. Third, bloom where you are planted. You know, I meet 20 to 30 people each and every week, and in all those meetings, a lot of my advice comes down to this. Be patient, yes, even at times when things are difficult. What I've, I've seen is that most people don't allow time to tell the full story, and they bail out sooner than they should. Again, sometimes it is safer to trust God and stay the course versus getting nervous and jumping ship. And finally, be intentional in your daily walk. Be more joyful. Learn to trust God and know that in the end, he's got you and this whole world covered. As Mr. Russell said, assuming you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be the most joyful people around. So instead of echoing the gloom and doom coming out of the rest of the world, put on your big boy pants, be thankful, and relish in the fact that you have a God that loves us and is in complete control. Well, speaking of time, training, and trust, I have an important question to ask you. Do you truly feel like you have a retirement specialist in your corner, a person you can meet with in person, face-to-face, -face, who will take the time necessary to help you learn who you are and what it is you want out of this money? Someone who is going to also have the training it takes to understand the complexities that come along with trying to retire worry-free. And finally, someone that you can trust. Someone who will be here not just to take your money and throw it in a bunch of investments, but who is going to be here for the long haul. Well, if not, why not? I'm Tony Walker, owner of Tony Walker Financial, and for more than 36 years, my staff and I have helped thousands of savers worry less about money, and we want to help you too. To get started with us to find out more about Tony Walker Financial, all you got to do is log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Your information is confidentially sent to our offices and we will quickly respond and reach out to you with either a phone call or if it warrants, be happy to meet with you in person. Well, we hope you've enjoyed today's program on the Worry-Free Retirement. We'll look forward to seeing you next week, but you remember between now and then, if all else fails, you be worry-free. Make it a good one.